0: Welcome to IBS Chat from the IBS Patient Support Group. I'm Jeffrey Roberts, the IBS expert and founder of the IBS Patient Support Group website and social media platforms and creator of World IBS Day, held every April 19th. I was diagnosed with Irritable Bowel Syndrome at age 16 and I've lived with IBS for over 25 years. It's my mission to educate people living with Irritable Bowel Syndrome and to raise awareness about research and treatment options and what it's like to live with IBS. The IBS Patient Support Group is a community to inform and support Irritable Bowel Syndrome sufferers and can be reached at IBSPatient.org. Supporting IBS patients is something that I think of every day because the quality of life of an IBS patient and those that support them is very important to me. Episode number 9 Dr. Jennifer Franklin is a licensed psychologist. She offers therapy and mindfulness-based education for patients who suffer from functional gastrointestinal disorders. Dr. Franklin focuses on mindfulness, which helps to maximize the effectiveness of a patient's therapeutic experience. She has worked with pioneers in the treatment of IBS from a biopsychosocial perspective. Her passion for her work is in part by her own personal experience of healing from IBS, which she gained from weekly therapy sessions over 20 years ago. As a result of these sessions, Dr. Franklin transitioned from illness to a life free of symptoms, free of fear, and free of avoidance behaviors. In this podcast, Dr. Franklin and I spoke about a unique perspective on how therapy can help people with functional GI disorders. Relationship healing plays a large role in dealing with IBS and this is often something that is addressed by therapy. The relationship that you have with your IBS is something that is worth exploring and as Dr. Franklin refers to as shifting your patterns. Dr. Franklin wants patients to feel hopeful and she created the website www.donthateyourguts.com to help patients to be inspired to seek healing and not just symptom management. Finding out that the thing making your life so miserable does not have a simple fix can be very difficult news to swallow. Dr. Franklin explains that your gut is not your enemy and you are not at war with it. And she helps patients shift that hatred of your guts to one of compassion and acceptance. She speaks of trauma, which everyone faces in various levels and intensity and how it exacerbates IBS symptoms. Dr. Franklin offers psychotherapy for individuals, couples and families that she sees on a regular basis, as well as new patients that she might see for an individual consultation. She is currently working on a webinar series and is involved in writing a book, as well as some YouTube videos. Shifting from having IBS to have had IBS is her goal. Hi, I'm here with uh, Dr. Jennifer Franklin, and we're going to ask a number of questions about her work and the work that she does with her patients. So welcome, Dr. Franklin. As an experiential, somatic, mindfulness-based psychologist who recovered from IBS yourself, you offer such a unique perspective on how therapy can help people who have functional gastrointestinal disorders. Where do we begin to explain how therapy can lead people to a better quality of life? And how did it make yours more manageable?
1: I think people generally think of psychologists as practitioners who can help them to manage or cope with GI symptoms or the stress, anxiety, depression, or emotions that go along with the GI symptoms. And my personal experience with IBS has taught me that psychotherapy can actually generate healing from IBS. Healing from IBS has a lot to do with your relationships, believe it or not, your relationship with your body and all the parts of it, your relationship with yourself and all the parts of yourself, your thoughts, beliefs, emotions, and your pain. Your relationships with all of the various people in your life, your relationship to your environment, which could be broadened to include your relationship to the world and all that's happening in it and around you. So it is within the context of relationships that we live our lives. And it's also within the context of relationships that we develop IBS. Ergo, it is within the context of relationships that we heal. Relational healing is not within the scope of traditional western medical professionals training. Relational healing falls within the scope of psychotherapy and perhaps other practices as well, which is why working with a psychotherapist can be an important part of healing the body. So I'm most interested and focused in helping people to heal their bodies so that they do not have IBS symptoms to manage, but Managing symptoms is often something we need to address in therapy if having symptoms is getting in the way of living or enjoying one's life. So personally, I haven't had IBS for about two decades, but at the time I was acutely symptomatic, therapy was the first treatment I tried that actually improved my health situation. I would say that after a year of weekly visits with a therapist, I got 50% better. It didn't fix the problem entirely, and that was because I didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't know how to ask for help with what I needed help with because I didn't realize certain things were actually causing me suffering. Um, Psychological and physiological suffering often go hand in hand. It's hard to see something clearly that your body has adapted to, and that is what our bodies do. Does
0: this make sense so far? It does. It It's such an interesting perspective, and it's mm-hmm. it's something that I try and lead patients to try and have a better understanding of themselves and how mm-hmm. something's affecting you. And mm-hmm. so it, it's such a refreshing uh, look that you bring mm-hmm. to, to the patient's perspective and, and how they're feeling and how it's not just limited to the... The symptoms of IBS itself, but how it's affecting them as, as a human being and and carrying on every day with life.
1: Right, and, and the relationship that they have with their IBS symptoms. Um, and so this kind of segues into kind of my focus in my work. When I'm working with patients, I'm less interested in the day-to-day functioning and you know, a lot of people come into a therapist's office and they kind of talk about the things that they've encountered over the week, right, since they've seen their therapist. And so it's often, okay, this week I was really struggling with this, or this happened, it was really, you know, terrible or really hard. Um, And I'm, I mean, I'm not going to say that I don't do that with patients, but it's really not the primary focus. I'm more interested in the overall patterns of functioning that their bodies have learned over time as they've lived through all kinds of situations, circumstances, stressors, and relationships. Mm -hmm. And um, and that relates to what you've just said, because um, how we relate to our bodies, how we relate to our symptoms, um, how we even relate to pleasant experiences in the body, like pleasant sensations. Um, that becomes very patterned. Right. So, um, the goal of therapy, the way that I work is to shift the overall patterns of functioning that are most likely contributing to the generation, perpetuation and exacerbation of GI symptoms and to see what happens when we start to shift them.
0: Well, that's really interesting. And I think that will probably resonate with a lot of people who th- think that this goes beyond uh just the relationship with the illness itself and the relationship with themselves and the relationship with others and how to, how to actually you know understand that um mm-hmm. you you have an excellent website uh that I've you know referred people to before and it's really approachable blogs describing anxiety healing and the nervous system etc your, your your URL is don'thateyourguts.com, and I'm really curious, why did you choose that name and do we really hate our guts?
1: Well, first of all, Jeffrey, thank you for the compliment. I appreciate hearing that you find it to be excellent and approachable. I was hoping it would be that for people. Um, I created my website because I really want people suffering from IBS and other functional gastrointestinal disorders and problems to feel hopeful about the possibility of healing, to be inspired to seek healing, not just symptom management, and to learn how to feel more empowered in facilitating healing for themselves. To answer your question, um, we sometimes say, I hate that person's guts (laughs) when we are really angry at someone.
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) And I think the experience of having IBS or persistent GI symptoms that cause suffering without any clear-cut cause and therefore have no clear fix, for most people, that experience is quite maddening, leading to tremendous frustration and anger. I know that I hated my gut when I had acute IBS symptoms. I used to fantasize about the doctors finding something physiologically wrong with some part of my digestive system so that I could have surgery. I really wanted them to just cut me open and take out whatever digestive organ wasn't working, but when they did testing, there wasn't any body part that was malfunctioning. So the problem could not be localized to a specific organ or structure. Finding out that the thing making your life miserable has no cause and no clear fix is difficult news to swallow. Our brains are not well-equipped to deal with that situation. If there's a problem, we want to understand it so that we can address and resolve the problem. And if we can't, frustration and anger are normal human reactions to have. When you get frustrated or angry, that is the body's fight response coming online, which is part of the body's stress response. Right. Directing that anger toward your gut is a natural reaction to have toward the part of the body that you hold responsible for your suffering, right? Sure. But at some point, if you are blaming your gut for your suffering and are perpetually angry with it, your gut then becomes your enemy. If your gut is your enemy, then you are at war with it. If you are at war with your gut, then you and your body are not going to be at peace you will be stuck not just in a pattern of physiological digestive symptoms that you can't stop, but also stuck in a pattern of stress responses in reaction to the IBS symptoms, adding a layer of stress that generates even more psychological suffering than worsening the physiological IBS symptoms.
0: Wow.
1: Yeah, interesting, huh?
0: Very, very well, also it it really, I mean, I can talk about myself and you've just absolutely described myself and that I always wanted doctors to find something physically wrong and, and you're absolutely right. correct. And so I am in this turmoil as well. So
1: mm-hmm. so don't hate your guts is my way of saying that there is a more effective, less harmful way of responding to IBS and shifting the response from one of hatred, frustration, anger to one of compassion, acceptance, connection, and peace is an important part of the healing process. Understanding how your body came to do IBS is much more complicated than just understanding how mechanical digestion works.
0: Really, really very interesting. And uh, now I understand the purpose of your URL. So thank you for for that. You're welcome. Um, I know that you did a lot of work with um, University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill with Doug Drosman's group, and that he had focused um, quite a few years ago on um, trauma and um, how one might develop IBS-like symptoms from trauma. So what role do you feel trauma plays in a lot of our lives, and how might it affect or even cause IBS symptoms?
1: Well... Trauma, as trauma expert Peter Levine says, is a fact of life. Trauma affects everyone's lives at some point or another. Trauma, and I'm using this word very loosely, has a huge role in the generation, perpetuation, and exacerbation of IBS symptoms. I believe that the impact of traumatic experiences on the body is at the root of IBS and many other psychological and physiological problems. If stress is the body's natural, normal response to an ordinary threat, trauma is the body's natural, normal response to an extraordinarily stressful or threatening event, circumstance, or situation. It could be a one-time situation or an ongoing situation. A traumatic experience could be any experience that happens without warning or happens too fast and or is just overwhelming. If something is overwhelming, it can be too much to take in or process at the time it happens, either because it's too emotionally charged or energetically charged or too horrible or frightening, etc. Trauma could occur in response to an experience that on the one hand feels very ordinary and at the same time does not feel good, fair, just, acceptable, respectful, or okay, and recurs perhaps regularly enough that over time it ends up feeling extraordinarily stressful. So it can look one way, but it can be experienced by the body differently.
0: And and I imagine that would be a very personal response, where one person might respond uh, feeling that some trauma has occurred, whereas other people, because of their personality, might not.
1: I I was just about to say that, that, um, you know, we don't have the right to sit in judgment of other people's lived experiences, right? So trauma is based on the body's perception of reality. And when I say body, I mean the whole body, including the head and all that it entails brain and mind. So, if a person's brain and body perceive something as highly threatening, even if their conscious brain doesn't necessarily think of it that way, their brain or body will respond appropriately to the threat. Trauma is that response, it is the response to something highly extraordinarily perhaps life-threatening. It may not look or sound like a situation that makes your body react that way, but that doesn't mean that that situation is not traumatic for somebody else. Of course. Mm -hmm. So one of the things we need to understand as it relates to trauma and IBS is that our conscious minds don't necessarily perceive or experience trauma the way the body does. Things can be traumatic without our even realizing it. For example, being dumped by a lover or partner can be traumatic. It might not be a life-threatening or what we call a big T traumatic experience, but it can still be traumatic. Um, Growing up with a parent who is highly narcissistic can meet none of the typical definitions of traumatic experiences, yet be utterly traumatizing pain can be traumatizing especially pain we don't understand and pain goes along with ibs a lot of times sure having ibs can be traumatizing right in other words trauma can be at the root of ibs and can also be layered on top of it compounding it so for people who have post-infectious ibs we could say that the viral infection that precedes the ibs symptoms is a trauma from the perspective of the body
0: is this unique to IBS, or would you see this kind of pattern with other illnesses as well? Just kind of.
1: I I started, um, I started my career working exclusively with patients who have IBS, um, and, and then I started getting referrals um, for patients who had other functional gastrointestinal disorders. And then I started getting referrals for patients who have all kinds of functional medical problems that are not even digestive, like back pain, migraines, um, eye twitches, heart arrhythmia, pots, all kinds of things. Wow. Um, and I think this is this holds true um, for a lot of us. You know, even people who don't have these kinds of symptoms can still have unprocessed, unregistered, um, un, unknown trauma, essentially. Like some part of your body can know that something's going on that doesn't feel right. And then the more conscious part of your brain can totally not see it at all. Or it can be completely in your blind spot.
0: That's very, it's very interesting and incredibly Relative to IBS symptoms and sometimes you're perhaps even in denial of that when this trauma is occurring and your body's certainly aware of it and it's registering it. And I love the description of this constant battle with layers. It's very mm-hmm. interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It, it's a nice segue to actually to talk a little bit about the kind of therapy that you do because you offer therapy and consultations and training for people. Can you walk us through um, these different types of offerings and how does someone decide whether they might benefit from them?
1: Um, well, I, um, I offer psychotherapy to individuals, couples and families. And um, I'd like to say a little bit about working with families. Um, I think working with families is really important when it comes to treating IBS and other functional gastrointestinal disorders in children. Um, And so I started offering that to families um, of children who have those kinds of issues. Um, Ongoing psychotherapy, the way I do it, it typically involves meeting once a week about an hour, and working on whatever a person, couple, or family needs to work on in order to support the shifting of the patterns that are keeping a body, a person's body stuck in a pattern of IBS. And I know that's vague, but the work is so individualized and collaborative that it's really hard to tell you exactly what happens um, when we're working together. Um, but basically... My patients and I are working together to understand their bodies and what their nervous systems are doing and to come up with strategies for helping the body learn how to shift out of the patterns at play. Um, So because I can only work with so many patients at one time, I started offering consultation to patients who I'm not able to see on an ongoing basis, Um, and this gives them a way of getting started with their healing processes uh, during, during the consultation hour, I gather information as quickly as possible as opposed to the way I normally work when I know we're going to see each other over a period of time. Mm-hmm. Like, my natural preference is to let things emerge more organically. Um, but during a consultation, I have to work faster. So I'm really focused less on facilitating change in my office with me which actually requires working at a slower pace and more on providing education, information, feedback, and guidance. So that patients leave with knowledge that can help them to work towards healing on their own uh, or maybe in in therapy with a different therapist. Um, And I might help them find uh, a therapist. Um, So I might give them some referrals uh, or help guide them in finding somebody in their area. So, so con-
0: um, I might refer them'm mm-hmm. oh, sorry, so consultations would be for the most part a a could be a one off event or you may yeah. you may see them again, but for the most part, you're Either. really providing them with some necessary information to move forward in their lives and in terms of finding the right treatment for themselves so that, that's, yes okay. all,
1: it could be any and all of that right um and I might provide uh referrals to adjunctive. Uh, treatment providers. Uh, if they've never seen a gastroenterologist ever, and they've never actually formally been big di- big diagnosed with IBS or some other disorder, then I would refer them to gastroenterologists or encourage them to seek one out in their area. Um, if patients have a psychotherapist already, um, I often will provide consultation to patients um, really specifically focused on addressing ibs or the functional uh, disorder um i'm also uh working on a webinar series for people who have ibs and other functional gastrointestinal disorders and for parents with kids who have these kinds of disorders um i've been working on a book for a long time and hopefully that will get finished at some point (laughs) i know what that's like. a really slow process (laughs) um and I'm also working on some short YouTube videos to introduce some basic concepts of people. Um, so if any of your listeners are interested in any of these things, um, they can go to don'thateyourguts.com And the best way to uh, find out about these things as they start to happen um, is to subscribe uh, to receiving my blog post on the homepage. And then I'll blast out an announcement when these things are, are out there.
0: Well, oh, that, that's that's. Very good information to have. Um, so, some people might look at psychology as not as evidence based as a, a doctor providing them with some medication or some sort of mm-hmm. treatment option. So, how do you weave in evidence based practices into your therapy? And does it work in conjunction or does your therapy replace, you mm-hmm. know, evidence based practices that somebody might be familiar with? Mm hmm.
1: I'm an experiential somatic psychologist with extensive training in mindfulness-based practices. Um, mindfulness-based practices are evidence-based practices, and they're known to be effective for treating chronic pain and IBS. I also use many cognitive behavioral approaches in my work, so that would be considered CBT And that's another evidence-based practice that is well known to be an effective approach for treating IBS
0: and many other
1: psychological and physiological symptoms. But here's the thing, evidence-based in my field is not the most meaningful term. So I personally don't give evidence-based practices much credence when it comes to what is effective psychotherapeutic treatment. I could say a lot more on this topic, but the bottom line is that there are many psychotherapeutic approaches that are very difficult to study the way that you can study CBT. Hence, there are few studies on many of the approaches I've been trained in, and that is one of the main reasons why CBT has been so widely known. We can't study experiential and somatic forms of psychotherapy the way we can CBT, So, if you look at the literature and you see how many studies um, on CBT have been conducted, it looks as though CBT is most effective while these other forms are not. And the reality is that other forms of psychotherapy may be as effective, if not more effective than CBT for treating IBS and a whole host of other psychological and physiological problems. But because we don't have the scientific evidence, we can't substantiate those claims. The evidence in support of a variety of somatic experiential forms of psychotherapy is more anecdotal, as was the evidence in support of mindfulness based practices for health and well being for thousands of years. Mm-hmm. So, based on my own experience of healing my own body and working with patients over the last 15 plus years, I believe that healing is a very individualized process, which I think you said earlier. Um, sometimes CBT or mindfulness practices are effective for working with certain aspects of one's experience. Um, And there are many other ways to work with people's experiences that are not evidence-based. And I use a variety of them and find them to be extremely helpful. So basically, I do what intuitively feels like the best approach for somebody in that moment in time, unless there's a good reason not to.
0: It's a fabulous explanation. It really explains the field and why somebody might want to invest the time uh, in the, this type of therapy. So thank you so much for that. That was very helpful. Um, no, you're welcome. Uh, last question is, you know, mm-hmm. what, what have we left out? You've described uh, so many things, you know, what what might be important for people to know about the work you do and why sufferers might consider this approach?
1: I would like people with IBS and other medically unexplained symptoms, digestive or even non-digestive, to understand that healing is to some extent and more often to a large extent, a function of regulating the autonomic nervous system, which is the part of our nervous system that operates without our conscious control to ensure our survival. It's working all the time without our conscious control to ensure our survival. And affects many processes in the body, including digestion. Because part of the autonomic nervous system is actually housed in your gut with the specific purpose of coordinating digestion. So ANS, or autonomic nervous system regulation, as far as I'm concerned, really should be part of the treatment for IBS and other functional gastrointestinal disorders. What I offer is not a quick fix or a magic pill, but a path toward healing and recovery. Recovery, shifting from having IBS to having had IBS is the goal. I think many people with IBS get the message that they will have IBS for the rest of their lives. I got that same message. Nobody ever said that to me explicitly, but it was implied. When you invest time, money, and energy trying various treatments only to end up continuing to have IBS symptoms, it's hard to believe that you can recover. But I know that it is possible to recover from IBS because I did it. And my mission now is to help and empower others to do the same. So the last thing I'd like to say is that the work I do offers people an opportunity to learn to grow, to heal, to recover, and to develop the kind of intimacy with themselves and with others that leads to a more fulfilling life. There are huge life lessons in healing and recovering from IBS. You can either learn them and find your way out of the patterns that keep you stuck living with IBS, or you can stay stuck. I think one of the most important things I'd like to say in this, in this interview is that healing is taking a step into the unknown of moving beyond familiar, habitual patterns. It's really a series of courageous choices that lead to improvement gradually over time.
0: Wow, so you've made such a beautiful argument as to an approach that um, patients might not have considered. And you've articulated, you know, the work that you've done, you know, really, really well and it make it very compelling, especially Thank when, you. you know, you've been a patient yourself and have, mm-hmm. um, have not been a patient for 20 years, which is a really long time. So you said some things that I think are going to really make people think and um, as to what their next step might be, because certainly if they have it within them to um, get out of this pattern, uh, that's something that would definitely interest a lot of people. So th- thank you so much for for taking the time today to, to share that with all of us, um, truly appreciate it.
1: Thank you for having me and um, it was really my pleasure. And I, I do hope that this gets people to think about how to do things a little bit differently that might put them on a trajectory towards healing and improvement.